Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now prepare your hearts for a message from God's Word. All right, well we are in a series right now called Stand, and we're looking at the book of Daniel and stories of courage that Daniel had. How many of you have heard of Daniel before, right? Daniel and, and the lion's den and all those stories, but there's actually a few stories Uh, that we can learn from Daniel that that he was willing to make a stand in the right way, at the right time, and for the right reason. And that's what we talked about last week. Week one was that we talked about how we're going to need to, sometimes we need to stand out a little bit. That God hasn't called us to blend in with the world. That in fact he's called us aliens. That we are supposed to look different. We're supposed to act different. And if we find ourselves blending in and adapting to culture rather than affecting culture with the love of God and the hope that Jesus offers, then we really need to evaluate and ask ourselves, are we truly following Jesus? Because if we're truly following after Jesus the way that he's called us to, we'll never blend in. We'll stand out in a big way. In the right way, though. And so today we're going to talk about the need to stand up and how Daniel stood up for what was right and took a stand for some right things and was willing to confront issues when he needed to. Uh, Next week we're going to talk about how to stand strong. The following week after that, how to stand in and then how to stand firm. So today, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Daniel chapter 4. But again, we're going to... Sorry, I have gum in my mouth still. Things you forget. Uh, stand up for what is right and what is true. That as Christ followers, we have to be willing to stand up sometimes. We can't just sit down. We have to be willing to stand up for what is right and what is true. And sometimes what that means is, is that we have to stand up to someone, not just stand up for something, that we actually have to stand up to someone. And a lot of times it's usually people that God has brought into relationship with us that we love and that we respect. And those are often the most difficult people to stand up to, to confront. And today we're going to talk about how do we confront the right way. And we're going to learn from Daniel how to do that. It was funny when I uh, was a youth pastor and, and worked with students, I was on staff at a church in Springfield, Missouri. And when I was there, I kind of got known as, very early on, as the pastor on staff who wasn't afraid to confront people. And I don't know why that was the case. And so what would happen is we'd be in a staff meeting and there'd be like this unruly volunteer at the church. How many of you know it's easy, it's, it's hard to fire someone, period. It's, it's, it's harder to fire someone when you don't pay them, right? Like, it, hey, what, do you, what do you mean I'm fired? You know, it's kind of like the Seinfeld episode. I, I don't really even work here. It's like, that's what makes this so difficult, you know? Like, it, it's, it's, it's challenging, but sometimes you get volunteers that just get in the wrong spot. You know, they're not in the right place or they just begin to cause problems. They, they begin to gossip or, you know, one of the message ruffled their feathers and they start talking to their small group about it, you know, what, whatever it may be. And so th- th- we'd be in a meeting and, and it would come up like, hey, you know, so-and-so is like, they've gotten way out of line. It's crazy. They're causing all this problem. And it wouldn't even be in my area. They'd be like, hey, Kyle, would you meet with them? And I'm like, what? No, I don't want to meet with them. Like, well, well, you don't mind confronting people. You do it all the time. I'm like, I don't like to confront people, but I do it because it's necessary, right? Sometimes it's just necessary to confront people. That you, there's no way around it. That if you just keep dodging the issue, it's going to get worse and worse and worse, and it's just going to snowball, and then all of a sudden this big gap, and God wants us to confront the right way 
in the right time for the right reasons, to stand up when it's necessary. So who here would say you're more naturally non-confrontational, right? You're, you're like <laughs> even hesitant to raise your hand. You're like, oh, I definitely am not. Like my wife is that way. Jess is that way. She'd rather, you know, just run away, you know, or just cover her eyes and pretend that there's no confrontation there. Although she's gotten really good at confronting our children. She's really good at that. Uh, who here doesn't have a problem confronting people? You're like, yeah, you're the ones waiting to email me as soon as I say something wrong, right? Like, oh, here you go. Yeah, you can go ahead and email that to uh, I don't care at adventurechurch.tv. And it automatically replies back with I don't care. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But when you're dealing with confrontation, there's kind of two confrontational extremes that you deal with. The first one is this, is that, again, some people are just unwilling to confront, just unwilling, just not going to do it. Hey, none of my business, man. None of my business. You know, it's kind of the whole, you know, live and let live. Who am I to judge? You know, hey, as long as it's not, you know, hurting me, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. But again, you see, if we're going to truly follow Christ, and, and you need to go back to, to last week's message and, and, and listen to that or, or watch that if you missed it, because all these play together. Daniel's story is, is lined up. But, but if you're not willing to stand out and to stand up in the right time, then we really have to question, are we really committed to Christ in the way that he's called us to be? Because again, following after Jesus is going to require us to do that. And if we never stand out for what's right, we'll constantly blend in. And that's not what Jesus has called us to live. Anyone who's ever done anything in Scripture, if you, if you just read throughout Scripture, anyone who's ever had an impact was willing to stand out and to stand up for what was right. So we can't just cast it aside and just be unwilling to deal with it. But the two extremes, the first one is that some are just unwilling to do it. They don't want to confront and they won't do it. The second one is this, is, is that some people confront and they do it unlovingly. They confront unlovingly. We seek God. What we need to do is we need to, when, we, when the, the issue arises and there's something we need to confront, we need to seek God and to say, God, I need your wisdom. I need your words. I need you to guide me in this conversation because I want to do this in a way that's, that's right and the timing's right and I want to do it for the right reasons. When we confront someone, we don't confront them to, to win a, a fight you know, we don't, we don't fight to win. We don't confront to win. We confront to bring about God's will and God's change and his plan and purpose for their life. That's the whole reason to do it is we're saying, man, my heart is to see you grow. My heart is to resolve this conflict. My heart is to, to make sure that we're both right with God and, and pursuing his plan for our lives. And so we have to confront in a loving ways. And sometimes when we love someone, we're going to have to to confront some of the decisions that they're making. It's just a part of life. But the key is, is that it has to be done in love. In love. In a loving way. How many of you are elbowing your spouse right now? You're like, ah. You confront, but not so much with love, right? I'm really good at that. With the people that are closest to me, you know what I mean? If, when I have to confront a stranger or a neighbor or a, a volunteer in the church, I'm full of grace. When it's my wife sometimes, right? Am I the only one who confronts their family? Y'all like, I don't know about me, man. It's not me. I don't, I don't know who he's talking to. 
But, but we tend to do that with the people who are closest to us. We can just, boom, jump on them. We don't, we don't do it in love. We don't do it in the right time. We don't do it in the right way and for the right reason. We're like, you're wrong, I'm right, I'm confronting this, it's over and done, and then you sleep on the couch. And that's not the way scripture wants us to do it. We have to confront, but we have to do it in love. Someone that we love, it's difficult. We have to do it the right way in the right time for the right reason. Maybe you have some adult children and you know they're making bad decisions. Maybe they're in college. Maybe they're, they're early in their career and, and you just see them going a direction and, and it's been gripping you and your heart has been challenged and you want to confront, you want to deal with it, but, but as you look at it, you're just, I don't know, but they're making bad decisions. Someone has to speak to them. Someone needs to challenge them on where they're at with the Lord and to make sure they don't go down a path they don't want. Maybe you have a relative that's been manipulative and very controlling and, and causing conflict in the family and no one wants to deal with them. But someone needs to stand up and confront and love and bring resolution to that conflict. Maybe your spouse is working too much and it's affecting the family and they're, they're not pitching in and, and being involved with the kids the way that you know that they should and you've just tried to put it aside but you're seeing the impact it's having on yourself. You're seeing the impact it's having on your kids and, and, and you're going to need to stand up, do it the right way at the right time for the right reasons. Maybe you have a good friend at work who's actually in an affair. You know they're having an affair. You know it's gonna destroy them. You know it's gonna destroy their family. And you're like, oh man, am I really the person who needs to talk to them about this? Should, should I, do I really need to be that person? And sometimes God is gonna give you an opportunity to stand up for what's right, to do it in the right way. And Daniel did that in his story. He stood up and last week we talked about King Neb, right? King Nebuchadnezzar, we just call him Neb because if I say that over and over again, I'm eventually gonna really mess it up. So we just call him King Neb. And King Neb was very evil. He was very oppressive. He did not uh, allow his people to live freely the way that, that we get the opportunity to. And actually, as I was doing a little research on this, Saddam Hussein actually thought of himself, and you can read on this, as King Nebuchadnezzar reincarnated. And that King Nebuchadnezzar was his ultimate hero. It was the person that he looked up to the most. And we can kind of see and get a picture from how life was in Iraq under the rule of Saddam and, and how it was in this culture. And Daniel was taken captive from his homeland when King Neb conquered him, taken back to, to Babylon as a young man, 12 to 15 years old, and he's brought back and, and he gets integrated into this culture. So he's under this oppression. He's, he's under the rule of this very evil king who at any moment would just, boom, I don't like what you said, you're dead. That's, that's just the way it was. There was no debating it. If he said, you're done, you were done. And so Daniel finds himself in this situation. And King Neb had seen God move. We, you go back earlier in Daniel when Daniel confronted him and stood out last week and did not, you know, go, he went against the, the rule of the king and, and the king saw that, that God was with him and that God gave him favor. And he said, man, your God is God. We're going to worship your God. And then we, we get a few chapters down the road and King Neb has already begun to turn his attention away from God and goes back to the way that, that he was living before. Very oppressive, very prideful, not humble at all. How many of you have either found yourself in that place before? You, you know someone where they come, they encounter God, God does something great for them, but then all of a sudden they just, God, I promise you, if you get me out of this, I'll never do this again. You've been there. God, if you're so hungover, God, I'll never drink again, please, right? 
And then what do we do? As soon as we get better, as soon as life gets going good again, we go right back. And that's what King Neb was doing. He was reverting back. And so he was still being very evil, very oppressive. And he has this dream. King Neb has this dream that, that kind of rattles him. It shakes him. He can't figure out what it means. And, and throughout scripture, God would speak through dreams a lot of time. And God can still do that today. And, and so he has this dream and, and his interpreters wouldn't interpret the dream for him. Either they, they wouldn't, they couldn't, they, hey, I don't know what it means, or they wouldn't. Because actually, if King Neb didn't like your interpretation of the dream, guess what? You're dead. I don't like messengers with bad news. Off with his head. Like, that's what he would do. Pretty crazy stuff. And so they could kind of sense that this dream wasn't going to be going in King Neb's favor. And so they didn't want to tell him what was going on. And so Daniel had got this rep- represent, uh, reputation that he was, he was always right on with his dream, his interpretations and his, his prophecy and everything that God would do. It, it, would, it would come to pass. It would happen. And so King Neb has this dream and he calls on Daniel to interpret it because no one else can or will. And at this time, Daniel's now about 45 or 50 years old. So before, last week, he was just this young boy. Now he's grown up. He's, in, he's older in his age. He has a lot more maturity and wisdom under him. And King Neb has this dream. And the dream is simply, kind of to paraphrase it, he has this large tree is in the middle of the earth. And it's grown very tall and it's very strong. It's reaching all the way up to the heavens. It's providing fruit for all the people. It's providing shade and for all the animals of the whole world. And, and, and everyone was benefiting from this tree. Then it says a holy one came from heaven and it began to scatter the fruit from the trees. It chased all the animals away from the shade and it cut down the tree, but it left a stump in the ground. And it says, so everyone will know that the most high rules over the kingdoms of this world. So Daniel's hearing this dream. He doesn't like what he hears. And he says, he's overcome actually. The Bible says he's overcome for a period of time when he hears it. And he's like, hmm. Man, that's not good. And he pauses, and, and King Neb pushes him. He goes, Daniel, what does it mean? Daniel, tell me what it means. And he's like, oh, I just wish. And he goes, you, he presses him, and he pushes him. So Daniel doesn't want to do it, but he pushes him, so he finally answers him. But he, he confronts the king, and he, he answers him in a, in a loving way. He interprets it, and then he, there's a moment where he's interpreting the situation just like you do, and you sense, like, Man, there's, there's something wrong here. Something has to be said. The news isn't good. It's not going to be popular. They're not going to like it. But I, but I need to say what I feel like God has given me to say. And so he does it in a loving way. And, and he actually says, I wish this dream applied to your enemies. But that's not the situation. So he stands up to the king because it was the right thing to do. And he wanted the king to get right with God. That was his whole purpose. That was his whole intent. And so in Daniel chapter 4, verses 22 through 26, he says this. He says, your majesty, you're the tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Then here's the interpretation, verse 25. You will be driven away from people and you will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times, which meant seven years, will pass by until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms of the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. 
You see, King Neb again was, would encounter God, would experience God, and then he would revert back to his old ways. And Daniel's saying, look, what you have to acknowledge, King Neb, is that God is the one in charge. He's sovereign, and he's giving you the authority that you have, and he can take it away if he wants to take it away. And because of your pride, because of the way you're ruling, because of the evil, he's going to strip the kingdom away from you until you turn back. That's the awesome thing about God is that God sometimes, because of our decisions, not because he wants to, will strip things from our life. Will strip the things that are causing us to be distant from him, causing us to be uh, uh, not following his plan. But there's always a stump. Remember, the tree was gonna be cut down, but there was gonna be a stump left. There was gonna be a root system left where the tree could grow again. And in your life, no matter how many times you turn away from God, the grace of God always says there's, there's still hope. If you turn back, there's going to be hope. So he interprets the dream and he says, you're going to need to acknowledge who he is and that he rules. And he says, the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules, that God is the one in charge. You see, Daniel could have stopped right here. He did his job. You want to know what your dream means? This is what it means. Bad news. He confronts, he stands up in a loving way, does it in the right way with a heart full of love, saying, Man, you know, again, King Neb was evil. Daniel was captured. He was stripped from his family, from his homeland. I I don't think he really liked King Neb that much. But in a loving way, he could have said, Yeah, man, you're evil. And God's about to take you down. And I'm about to sit here and love every second of it. But he said, King, man, I, I don't want. I don't wish harm on my enemies because Jesus said that we don't gloat over our enemies, right? So we pray for them. So Daniel's heart was, King, I, I don't want this to happen to you. I, I, I wish you would turn to God right now so this, would, this wouldn't happen. But this is what's going to happen. So he does his job. And then Daniel was willing to go a step further and confront the king, literally risking his life. So he interprets the dream. And then in verse 25, he says, King Nebuchadnezzar, Please accept my advice. Stop sinning. Do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. So his heart, do what is right. I want what God's is best for you. And when we confront someone, we have to approach it in that same way. Look, this isn't about me. This isn't about, even if it's someone you don't like, even if it's conflict with family. Look, this is about about you and this is about you and God and God has a plan and God has a purpose and my heart is that you'd be right with him. And people's lives sometimes, our loved ones' lives, the people God has brought into our path into relationship with, it's it's big stuff. It's serious decisions that they're making and God has given you a voice. He sent you to be a messenger. But if we always sit down and we just go, I'm unwilling to confront, I don't wanna do this, that they'll never change. They'll never get on the path that God has for them. And God has asked us as Christ followers to be willing to stand out, not blend in, and stand up for what is right and be willing to confront. His heart was to do that. The key is, is that we have to be prayerful in our confrontation. And for our community here at Adventure Church, for us to be a family, an authentic family that we want to have and and the type of values that we want to have here, Prayerful confrontation is always going to be necessary in an authentic family. It's always going to be necessary. There's going to be times, and 
someone in your life group is doing something and you sense it's just not right and it's wrong and you need to prayerfully seek God and say, God, I need wisdom, but I, my brother is struggling. He's, he's going down a path that I know is, is gonna be destructive to him and to his family. God, give me the right time and the right words to, to help him that he can be right with you. Galatians 6, chapter one, the apostle Paul in the New Testament talks about confronting, and it says this. It says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently, look at your neighbor and say gently, and humbly, say humbly to your neighbor, gently and humbly help that person go back onto the right path. And then he says, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Gently and humbly confront. Get them back where they need to be. And be careful that you don't fall into the same temptation yourself. So when we're confronting someone, again, prayerful confrontation. Prayerful, seeking God. The two prayers that we need to pray when we have to confront someone, the first one is this. is God, help me to confront with the goal of restoration. God, help me to confront with the goal of restoration. Galatians 6.1, gently and humbly help that person to get back on the right path. You see, our goal is not to be right. Our goal is to help them get right with God. Our goal is not to be right. We love that though, don't we? But our goal is to help them get right with the Lord. And you see, our approach matters. How many of you know approach matters? It matters. You see, I'm, I was joking earlier about send me an email to I don't care. I do care what you think. Your family. I value your opinion. You send me an email, I read it. I promise you. Sometimes I don't like what I hear. But sometimes people approach me in the wrong way. I have someone on Facebook who uh, follows me, and I actually know him from a long time ago in school. And he's probably watching online, so hello. Uh, he watches the messages. He reads all of my Facebook posts. Anytime I post an Instagram picture with scripture on it, or I, I do something, he'll send me messages. Not, he doesn't comment publicly. He'll send me a message to my inbox. And a lot of times, his approach is, is not with a sincere heart. He used to be a believer, and he's, he's had some kind of experience that, that was bad. In church, I don't know what it was, but he had a bad experience, so he's now he's not a believer. And so he's turned from someone who seeks God to someone who's become a skeptic of God. You see, I can deal with seekers. Someone who's seeking me going, dude, I have a question. I don't understand this. Can you help me understand? That's someone who's seeking wisdom, who's seeking advice, who's seeking to, to understand God better. But then you have people who are skeptics. They have no uh, goal of trying to figure God out. They're trying to prove to you that you're wrong. You know what I'm saying? So he approaches me with skepticism and sarcasm and he's very critical and he's very sarcastic when it comes to some of the things that I say and he'll go, oh, that's what you believe and he, he sends me all these messages. I don't respond, never. At first, when it was the first question, then I began to more and more and more, I responded at first and then I began to see more and more and more. He just sent me one last week. I just, I don't respond anymore. I'm not, I'm not gonna unfriend him because I don't wanna just but I, I just don't respond. When he approaches me with, with 
skepticism and sarcasm, and I just, I just leave it. And so if you approach someone the wrong way, that's the response that you'll get. I'm not trying to hear you. There's no love in what you're saying. You're just trying to prove that you're right. And our goal isn't to prove that we're right. That's what he's trying to do. I'm just trying to prove that you're wrong and I'm right. You believe that about God, it's false. Let me give you all the facts that proves otherwise. And if we approach people in that way, we'll never have the goal of restoration. We'll never see that happen. They will close off to you. So we have to say, God, help me to confront with the goal of restoration. Then we need to say, God, help me to confront with caution. God, help me to confront with caution. In Galatians 6b, it said, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. You see, when we're confronting someone, the thing that we're most vulnerable to, the most vulnerable sin that we can fall into is that of pride. Because we usually don't confront someone in an area that we have weakness in as well, right? Because what ground are you standing on? But usually you confront someone and go, dude, I'm really good at this. You know, like, I've, I'm, I'm an amazing husband, you know. I change diapers, I do laundry, I, I got it down. Bro, your wife's going to leave you, man. You need to change. You know, like, and we can become prideful in our, instead, and, and Paul's saying, you, you got to be gentle, you got to be humble, and then you have to be cautious that you don't fall into sin as well, that the temptation would be for us to, to get boasted up, that we can be see, see ourselves as above them. And what we have to remember is, is we're all below God. We haven't figured it out. The Bible says your best day, the day that you nail it, you do so good, he says, inside of a holy God, it's like filthy rags. That that's the way that we are. And so we have to be careful that we don't become prideful. We need to confront but we need to use caution. And because the church for so long has been confronting issues in our culture in the wrong way, confronting with judgment, confronting with no love, the approach has been way off that people aren't receptive to hear like King Nebuchadnezzar was. They aren't receptive to say, look, yes, world, you cannot live this way. You cannot allow these things to happen and to be right with God. We have to confront, we have to be willing to stand up for what is right, but we have to do it in the right way and at the right time because approach matters and if you approach it wrong and you don't approach it with caution and you don't approach it with love, the door will be shut and your influence will be gone and you will no longer have the ability to lead them into a relationship with God. And that is our whole goal, is to say, man, I want you to be restored. So we have to do it with caution. We can't go out on some confront hunt. And that's what I want to be careful of today. Spouses, people who are married, some of your family, don't be going home and going, hey, my pastor told me to call you out. You can't do this anymore. I'm tired. No, 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 no. Not a confront hunt. I'm going out to destroy and drive by confrontations at work. Like, yeah, you, you are sorry, you know, and just, that's not what God wants. Quit emailing me that crap. You know, like, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Uh, <laughs> but we have to be careful that we just don't go on some hunt to, to say, hey, I'm, I'm right and you're wrong. God wants you to stand up. In fact, if you're going to truly follow him, there's going to be moments when you know, mm, I don't want to do this. I don't like to confront people. 
It's tension. It's ugh. But man, God's called me to follow him. And I love you. And I don't want to see you destroy your life. I don't want to see you make bad decisions that could literally be life-changing. Could end your relationship with your spouse. That could cause you to lose your job. That will outcast you from the family. I want you to be restored. I want you to be in right relationship with God. We're not out to hunt people down. We're out to help others get close to God. we got to stand up. We're closing out. The band's going to come here. But Daniel confronted the king, literally risked his life. I don't think any of us will find ourselves in a situation that if we confront in the wrong way and not the right way, that our life is literally in the balance. But it could mean that a relationship will be tense for a while. Could mean that you don't talk to your sister for a while once you let it all out there. And, but, but the goal is restoration. And if you do it the right way, eventually God will do his part. And that's what we have to realize is, is that Daniel confronted the king with the goal of restoration. And the king didn't turn to God for seven years. He said, king, you got to get right with God. You can't do this. You need to turn. And if you do that, maybe God will help you out. But if you keep doing what you're doing, it's not going to end good for you. And for seven years, the king did not listen to Daniel. And Daniel had been right. He had seen God move in Daniel's life. He had seen God use Daniel. He knew that Daniel was right, but he still didn't turn. Sometimes people are going to know that you're right and you did it in the right way for the right reason at the right time and you did it in love and they're going to still push you away. They're going to still turn and not turn and, and not get right with God. And you're going to go, God, why did I even do that for? For seven years, he waited. But Daniel did what was right. And then he trusted God because we're not responsible for their response. You are not responsible for their response. That's not up to you. You can't control that one bit. It's not your responsibility. So you can't carry that weight like, oh man, what am I? That's hard when it comes to your kids. It's hard when it comes to family members. It's hard when it comes to close friends where you go, man, my heart, man, I just want you to get right with God. I don't want you to destroy yourself. We can't, we can't force them. We can't make them do anything. And God is responsible. Our responsibility is just to be obedient to God. When he prompts you, stand up, stand up. You need to say something. You got to stand up. Our responsibility is just to be obedient and to trust God with the results. Daniel did what was right and he trusted God. Seven years later, seven years, Daniel chapter 4, 34. And it said, at the end of that time, at the end of the seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. Seven years, then He turned. Seven years, then He got right with God. And it was all because Daniel was willing to take a risk, was willing to stand up, and was willing to confront with love the right way, the right time, for the right reason. So today, where do you need to stand up? Where's God saying, you got to stand up? I need you. They need you. I think that's the key that we forget sometimes. Is that that relative, that person you love, whoever it may be, they need you. You are the final red flashing sign that's saying, you're about to drive off a cliff. Hit the brakes, man. You got to stop. What are you doing? You're going to ruin everything. They need you. 
people need us to stand up to help them so that they can be right with God. Today, maybe you're here and you've never stood up to follow Jesus. Kyle, I hear you talking about Jesus. I hear you talking about the way Jesus wants me to live. That I should be different, that I shouldn't blend in, that I need to stand out, that if I'm truly going to follow Jesus, that it means I got to be different. Yeah, that's the truth. God has a different way for you. Throughout the New Testament, when he would call his disciples, he would call them away from something, but he always called them to something better. And that's what we have to realize. God is asking you to stand up. God is asking you to follow him, but it's the best decision you'll ever make with your life. The Bible says all of us have sinned. All of us are away from God. And because of that, we needed Jesus to come and he died for you and he died for me so that we could be forgiven, so we could be right with God. Jesus stood up for you. He stood up. He went to the cross when no one else would stand up, when no one else could stand up, he stood up and he died for you and he died for me. The Bible says that all of us are away from God, but that God so loved you that he sent Jesus to die for you so that you could be in right relationship with him. So today, if you bow your heads, close your eyes and just the privacy of this moment, if you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, today is your day. Today is the day. And it takes courage to stand up. It takes courage to raise your hand to say, Kyle, that's me. Would you pray for me? That the Bible says if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus died for us, that instantly, again, God is gracious. He's merciful. When we turn to him, he answers. So today, if you're here, you say, Kyle, I need to turn to God. I'm going down a path that's leading to destruction. I want to stand up for him. I want his ways. I want his forgiveness. The Bible says, if you just invite him in, it's a free gift that he gives. You can receive mercy and grace of God, you'll get a new start with him. So today, if you're here and you say, Kyle, that's me. I need to stand up, man. I I need to follow God. Would you slip up your hand right now? I'm going to pray for you. Who's here today? Say, Kyle, it's me. Pray for me. I need to make that decision for God. Amen. Anyone today? here and you've prayed this prayer, would you just repeat this, the one this morning? Everyone in this place, just say, Dear Jesus, today I invite you in. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you're the Son of God. That you died for me so I could live for you. If you made that decision today, on the back of your connect card it just there's a spot where you can say hey I'm making a commitment we want to help you in that get you some information get you pointed in the right direction today is the first step of many but God has a plan for you and he loves you and even though you may be in a situation that seems impossible that seems like you can't get out that there's no way that change will ever happen God is the God of impossible God can show up in an instant change your situation change the direction of your life he desires to do that for you for the rest of us today Where do you need to confront someone? Maybe something in your life. So I gotta confront this, I gotta stand up to it, I gotta deal with it. Say, man, my marriage can't stay this way. I love my spouse, but if we keep going the way that we're going, there's no way we'll ever make it. I need to get counseling and you've been battling that. You need to approach your spouse in the right way, in the right time, the right reason, with love and go, man, my heart is to make this work, but I I don't know if we can do it alone anymore. We need to get some help. Maybe, again, your child is just rebelling and going the wrong way and you're watching from a distance and you're going, man, I I gotta do something. Close friends, someone in your family, you know that 
If you don't say something, man, it could be a life-changing decision. You could literally save someone's life. You could change the destination of their eternity with God. And they need you to stand up. They need you to stand up. Would you stand with me right now? We're going to close out with this song. And just in the this moment between you and God, the song we sang last week, it just says, God, I'll stand with, with a heart that's abandoned to you. To say, God, I'll follow you. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And as we prayerfully, with wisdom, seek God, to say, God, where, where do you need me to stand up? He'll speak to you. And you say, God, help me. Give me the courage to have the faith of Daniel to confront even when it means risking it all, even when it means risking the relationship, even when it means the possibility of maybe even losing my job. God, that soul is more important than anything else. And God, give me the courage and the faith that when you prompt me, I'll be willing to stand. Help me to do it. The goal of restoration, to have caution and to have the love of Jesus in my heart. To say, God loves you and I love you and I care about you. So as we close out with this song today, make that commitment to God to say, God, I'll be willing to stand up, to stand in the gap, to make a difference in someone's life.